Burden Podcast. My name is Andrew Darling, criminal defense and civil rights attorney here in Central Florida. Today we're going to do a podcast about something that I think just needs to be better explained to folks. Uh, assault or battery? Or is it assault and battery? So in the state of Florida, those are actually two separate things. Uh, there are other states where the law is a little bit different, but here in Florida where I am licensed to practice, assault is different than battery. So when somebody says, that guy walked by and punched me, he assaulted me. No, no, no. He battered you. So what's the difference? Assault has a definition. Battery has a definition. I believe New York uh, assault is actually the, the contact. Uh, and considering all the law and orders are up there, that's probably where the common misconception come from comes from. Um, so first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to read to you the actual Florida state statute, uh, for what assault is. Then we'll go through the jury instructions, uh, talk about different ways to, uh, defend, uh, an assault, uh, and then we'll move on to battery. So the first thing I'm gonna read to you is assault. Uh, what's on the screen, uh, is actually the jury instruction. I'm going to take a quick moment to just go over what the actual Florida statute is. So, uh, the, uh, Florida statute 784.011 is assault. Uh, subsection one is an assault is an intentional unlawful threat by word or act to do violence to a person of another coupled with an apparent ability to do so and doing some act which creates a well-founded fear in such other person that such violence is imminent. So what does that mean? The second part is just whoever commits an assault shall be guilty of a misdemeanor in the second degree. Uh, which is punishable by a max of 60 days in jail, a $500 fine, or both. Uh, there's also uh, up to six months probation as well. So an assault, okay? Intentional unlawful threat by word or act to do violence to another. Um, that's the, the definition, all right? Now we're going to move over into the jury instructions, okay? So again, in order for the state to meet their burden, uh, which we've talked about previously, for assault, to prove the crime of assault, the state must prove the following three elements beyond a reasonable doubt. And if you guys remember, it's beyond and to the exclusion of all reasonable doubt. Uh, we talked about that on our uh, first full episode where we talked about uh, defendant's plea of not guilty, uh, jury instructions related to uh, reasonableness, and uh, what the state's burden actually is, uh, as well as reasonable doubt. So the first element is that the defendant intentionally and unlawfully threatened either by word or act, to do violence to the victim. So what does this mean? So it is that they intentionally uh, threatened either by word or act. So if I walk up to you and I say, I'm going to punch you in the face, that's a threat. That's a, the words of it. That's an assault. To do violence, right? To the victim. So if I walk up and... I get close enough to you where I say, I'm going to punch you in the face. And here's the other part. That's just the first element, right? So that the defendant intentionally or, or sorry, intentionally and unlawfully threatened either by word or act to do violence to the victim. The second part is at the time the defendant had appeared to have the ability to carry out the threat. What is the difference? What's the distinction? Okay. So if I walk up to you, and we are face-to-face, -face, and I say, I'm going to punch you in the face, and right then, we're close enough that I have the ability to do that, one and two, 
are probably satisfied. If you are on the other side of a wall or the other side of a chain link fence and I say, I'm going to punch you in the face. I don't have the ability to do that. It's not an assault. So that's how you have to think through some of these uh, charges is, okay, did we get the first one? Yeah, probably. Did we get the second one? No. If you don't get the second one, you don't move on to the third one. But let's say I walk up and I say, I'm going to punch you in the face and I'm close enough to do it. Okay, one and two are probably met. And then three, the final part of the jury instruction is the act of the defendant created in the mind of the victim a well-founded fear that the violence was about to take place. So how do you meet that? If I walked up to a stranger and said, I'm going to punch you in the face, and I was close enough to punch them in the face, and that person believed that that violence, that that action of me punching them in the face was imminent, that's an assault. So what's a scenario where you would get to the intentionally and unlawfully threatened either by word or act to do violence, and at the time you had the ability to carry out that threat, but what would make it so the third part, the third part wasn't satisfied? The act of, you know, say me as a defendant, created in the mind of a victim a well-founded fear that the violence was about to take place. If I walked up to my best friend and said, I'm going to punch you in the face, and I was close enough to punch him in the face, he's not going to be afraid because I'm not going to punch him in the face. So he didn't have a well-founded fear that violence was about to take place. And honestly, my best friend, we might just fight a little bit and he'd probably enjoy that. But that's just me. So when you're thinking through these things, um, you definitely want to remember that the most important part is that first statement in the jury instructions where it says to prove the crime of assault, the state must prove the following three elements beyond a reasonable doubt, which means every single element has to be proven. So again, the act of the person uh, could have created in the mind of the victim a well-founded fear that the violence was about to take place. But if at the time they didn't have the ability to carry out that threat, it's not an assault. So if you're on the side of the road, if you're standing there and a car drives by and hits a water puddle, it's Florida, it rains all the time, hits a water puddle, splashes it to you standing on the side of the curb, and you say, hey, what are you doing? I'm going to beat you up, but I'm still standing on the curb, and you're in your car 15, 20 feet away, and you're like, oh, crap, I just splashed that person. I'm going to get beat up. But there's not a way for that person to really get close to you. The person makes no other act to do violence. Probably not an assault. At the time, the defendant has to appear to have the ability to carry out that threat. In that scenario, in the curb scenario, probably doesn't have the ability to do that. Now, if they start to move forward, move closer to you, that's going to be more of an act. And that might give you, that might get you to a place where they have the ability to carry out that threat. That is pretty much it for assault. That is generally, uh, assault is not that complicated, but assault is not actually making contact or contact with somebody. The assault is the threat of imminent contact and putting that person in a well-founded fear that the violence is about to take place. 
That's what assault is under 784.011 of Florida statutes. So after assault um, comes battery. So uh, with battery, um, I'm going to read you the statute first before we get into the jury instructions. Uh, under 784.03, battery, and there's also felony battery, which is a little bit different. We'll get into some of that. Uh, but in our next episode, we're going to talk about assault and battery on a law enforcement officer. So under 840, I'm sorry, 784.03, battery, the offensive battery occurs when a person, one, actually and intentionally touches or strikes another person against the will of the other, or two, intentionally causes bodily harm to another person. There's a, a couple different um, subsections. I'm going to read subsection B real quick. Um, and this is just except as provided in subsection two, which is next, a person who commits a battery commits a misdemeanor of the first degree. So a battery, uh, you get in a fight, uh, you punch somebody, you hit somebody, uh, that's a battery, that's a first degree misdemeanor. So subsection two is uh, a person who has one prior conviction for battery, aggravated battery or felony battery, or who commits any second or subsequent battery commits a felony of the third degree punishable as any other felony of a third degree would be. And then again, it says, for purposes of this subsection, a conviction means a determination of guilt that is a result of a plea or a trial, regardless of whether adjudication is withheld or a plea of no con uh, no low contendere is entered. It's basically when somebody pleads no contest. Um, pleading no contest basically means that there are sufficient facts to show that I was guilty. I'm not admitting guilt, but because of either the plea deal that the uh, state has offered or what the judge has uh, indicated they will uh, utilize for punishment, that a plea is probably in that person's best interest. So that's what the statute says about battery. The battery jury instructions are a little bit more complicated, uh, but we'll go to them. So uh, under 784, Florida Statute 784.03, to prove the crime of battery, again, it is the state's burden. The state must prove the following elements beyond a reasonable doubt. All right. So you're going to give one and or two, depending on the charging document. So, so what does that mean? It, it's going to depend on a few things. Um, it's going to depend on the type of harm, what happened. We'll get to that in just a moment. Um, but you can give one by itself, uh, element one by itself, or element two by itself, or you can give one and two. So you can do it sort of either way. Uh, it's going to depend on the facts and the scenario. So uh, number one is that the defendant actually and intentionally touched or struck the victim against their will, his or her will. Uh, and then number two is that the defendant intentionally caused bodily harm to the victim. So the way that I want to explain this is um, there may be a scenario where you, where a defendant actually, uh, actually and intentionally touches somebody against their will. That in and of itself is technically a battery. Another scenario, and this is going to be uh, more relevant uh, when, it, when you get closer to um, some aggravated battery stuff, which is not this podcast, potentially another one, um, but that the defendant intentionally caused bodily harm to the victim. So you can have a battery that doesn't cause much harm actually and intentionally touched or struck the victim against their will. So I had a case when I was at the public defender's office that was essentially uh, a butt grab uh, in the mall. 
uh, a individual was accused of grabbing the butt of another in the mall. And it's one of those things that you're like, oh, well, that's terrible. That's horrible. Well, what do you charge? Well, that's a battery. So um, in situations like that, batteries can mean lots of different things. You don't have to necessarily cause harm. Uh, that is another element uh, if, in fact, the defendant did intentionally cause bodily harm to the victim. Um, so what we'll go through here real quick is uh, there's a, a case, Favey State. Uh, it's from uh, 2013. And it says, an intentional touching or striking includes situation where a defendant knows that a touch or a strike is substantially certain to re result from his or her act. Um, and this can be a, a lot of different things. So we're not going to get too deep in the weeds on that. But the next part is going to be when folks are like, well, I didn't hit them. I hit, I, I barely touched their hat or they were holding the purse and I just touched the purse. This is going to cause a problem for you in that scenario. So uh, if this is applicable, uh, there's an older case from 2001, Clark v. State. It says, a battery may be found as a result of the intentional touching or intentional striking of something other than the actual body of the person. However, the object that is touched or struck must have such an intimate connection with the person that it is to be regarded as a part or as an extension of the person. For example, in cases where the person intentionally drove into another occupied vehicle, it is for you to determine whether the vehicle that was struck should be considered as a part or as an extension of the person inside the vehicle. This determination may include consideration about whether the vehicle was touched through the force of impact by being jostled or otherwise impacted through the transfer of energy from the collision. So this is one of those things where, is it a battery to hit another car that somebody is in? Is it a battery to knock the hat off of somebody's head, to knock the sunglasses off of somebody's face? Is that a battery? Probably. So a lot of times you're going to hear me talk about what is or isn't or what definitely is or definitely is not. And you're not going to get a lot of definite statements from me. I am a criminal defense attorney. I can find an argument in most things. Um, so like I said, we're going to read these things. We're going to talk about scenarios. And then the final part of the battery uh, jury instructions are now that you have found the defendant guilty. This is a, a subsequent um, subsequent to a jury verdict. Okay, so now that this is after a defendant has been found guilty, the jury will come back in and it says, now that you have found the defendant guilty of battery, you must further determine whether the state has proven beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant was previously convicted of battery, aggravated battery or felony battery. And then convicted of, again, means a determination of guilt that was a result of a plea or a trial, regardless of whether adjudication was withheld or a plea of no low contendere was was entered. So what does that mean? That means that uh, in certain subsections here, the about the intentionality of it, and we can get into sort of aggravated battery a little bit more, but what this means is if you have a prior conviction for battery, aggravated battery, or felony battery, then this particular charge can be sustained, can be sustained as a felony battery charge. So like I said, it takes it from a first-degree misdemeanor to a third-degree felony. And the difference in punishment for those is a first-degree misdemeanor has a maximum $1,000 fine, a year probation, year in jail. 
or any combination of those, or a third-degree felony has a maximum of five years in jail, five years probation, or a $5,000 fine. So those are things that um, you, you definitely don't want the difference in the two. Uh, that's a lot of difference if you've had a prior uh, instance of battery. So again, to review, assault is putting somebody in imminent fear uh, of a battery, and then the battery is the actual uh, intentional touch or strike of somebody. That's where the difference is uh, in assault and battery. They are separate things. You can be assaulted on the way to the battery. So for example, if you are standing there and you see somebody come up to you, see somebody walk up to you and they say, I'm going to punch you in the face and immediately they punch you in the face, you're probably, you are probably just battered. If somebody walks up to you, they say they're going to hit you in the face, you back up, they follow you, so you backed up because you were in fear, because they were close enough to do it, you back up, they probably assaulted you the first time, and then if they step up again and actually strike you, then they have assaulted you and battered you, but if somebody walks up and just punches you and you don't see it coming, it's not an assault, it's a battery. So at least in the state of Florida, those are the differences. They're distinguishing uh, points. Like I said, other states have different laws, different statutes, uh, different burdens of proof, different things that the state must meet uh, in order for them to hit their burden. Um, otherwise, guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, that's assault and battery here in the state of Florida. So like I said, if you want to reach out, if you have questions, you can reach me at podcast at andrewdarlinglaw.com. That's podcast at andrewdarlinglaw.com. Dot com. You can follow me on all the social medias. You can follow this podcast, I should say, on all the social medias at The State's Burden. And that's going to be on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And then if you guys have questions, you want to follow up, you want to reach out to me, if you have a pending case, by all means, reach out to me. You can get to my website. My website is just www.andrewdarlinglaw.com. Uh, again, I am an attorney. Just because you listen to this podcast or just because you watch this video, does not mean we have established an attorney-client relationship. You must reach out to me, have a conversation with me. Listen, if I can help you, I will be glad to help you. Uh, reach out. We will talk soon. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of the State's Burden Podcast, and we'll talk to you in the next one. Take care.